Welcome to The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion Podcast. I'm Danielle Rudeutschen. Each episode features a conversation with a creative mind about the things that inspire them or that have given their life meaning in some way. From books, to art, to a piece of jewellery, these objects are collected into a cabinet which resides in physical form in the attic at 5 Carlos Place, the Matches Fashion Townhouse in London. My guest on today's show is filmmaker Jen Nkiru, who has worked on music videos for Kamasi Washington and Nena Cherry and Beyonce and Jay-Z's Apeshit, which was provocatively set in the Louvre in Paris. She grew up in Peckham in southeast London, the daughter of Nigerian immigrants, and studied film directing at Howard University in Washington, D.C. Still in her 30s, among her key works are Black to Techno, a film about Detroit's techno scene sponsored by Gucci and which premiered at the Freeze Art Fair in LA, and Rebirth is Necessary, part of a series in which rising directors turn their lenses to the future of the black experience. She has been named as one of the 200 women redefining the creative industries and one of the 100 global creative superheroes shaping culture in 2018. Here she is talking to me about some of the things that inspire her. Hi, Jen and Kiru. Hi, Danielle. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming, even though you've been having a super busy day. Yes. Um, you came from your studio at Somerset House yes. in London. So I'm a part of, uh, I'm a resident as a part of Somerset House Studios. So I'm one of like 70 plus, maybe almost 80 plus now people um, who have a residency at the studios. Um, it's amazing. They've got a kind of warren of rooms, yes. there, haven't they? Yes. I think I visited the space once and I was just it's blown like, away by the amazing space. It's and... incredible. It's the old um, Inland Revenue offices, right. isn't it? Um, and so it's, you know, you almost, it's so funny because I, I left my studio quite late last night, actually. I was working on something and I was walking down the stairs and I was like, oh my gosh, like, I always, this happens to me anytime I go into space anyway, I start fantasizing about what the space was probably like at a certain time because I'm like, this staircase is this narrow for a certain reason. This door is this narrow for a certain reason. All right, so like, you, you always analyze. I always analyze space. I'm always trying to pick up on the energy of space. Um, anyway, so uh, another conversation, but but, yeah. You're a filmmaker. I'm a filmmaker, yeah. And is, so is that just one of your natural, an, an, an intuition you have that you bring to the, to the, to the art? Yeah, yeah. I, it's so funny. I was asked to answer a few questions recently, and I was kind of talking about this: the fact that you know, in my work, I'm, you know, on on a more so, I guess, philosophical level, I'm quite um, interested in the idea of the self you know and the idea of the self as it relates to community and as it as it relates to ancestry i'm very interested in that idea and um, i was kind of like uh speaking to the fact that this is the perfect medium for me to kind of house all these kind of ideas and philosophies and thoughts and things that i'm coming into i always kind of like i i say i i i went into filmmaking because I'm greedy <laughs> in the sense of like you know when it's sound it's it's just sound you know um but or when it's another when it's painting it's just painting but like within um 
filmmaking, I get to house all my interests, whether it be architecture, choreography, history, philosophy, uh, art, fashion. I get to experiment with all these areas that I'm so like, you know, naturally just have a have an interest in. So filmmaking is the kind of medium for me for now. When yeah. did you first get into it? Um, oh, it's so funny. Um, I picked up a camera when I was probably about 10, 11, 12. Um, and I, the, I guess maybe the most notable memory I have is I'm of Nigerian heritage and going to Nigeria with my parents for the first time when I was 12 years old. And so we had a high eight camera and my mom was like documenting everything. And so I kind of picked up the camera too. And then we went back again when I was in high school it was interesting it was uh when Khalees's first album came out and i was really obsessed with that album kaleidoscope and so for um my uh how do i say it was like for my i think it was like as level at the time um we were asked to make a music video so i was like oh wow like i mean i loved Khalees, i loved the neptunes and i was like how cool is this that she's made this track with gwen stefani so i was like i'm gonna do a music video to this this is so cool so i went to nigeria and i took the hi8 camera that we had you know a few dv tapes with me and um, started documenting like my younger cousins and then I came back to London and went to Canary Wharf and was doing this whole kind of like existential thing of like fast versus slow versus what's the perfect day so always just kind of like with filmmaking trying to work out like you know my ideas or work out the questions I always say that my films present questions they don't aim to answer because I don't have the answers <laughs> and you um, you came so, yeah. you grew up in you, you're from South London South London Peckham yeah Peckham exactly so your parents are they first generation immigrants from Nigeria yes first generation my dad came when he was 26 in the late 70s um, moved to Scotland for a while, then came back to London, uh, went to University of Glasgow up there, and he, he kind of always is like, oh, I want to go back to Scotland. Really? And, like, <laughs> and he, like, my dad likes really, like, he loves, like, colder climates as well. So he does, it like, summer is, like, his worst month. Oh, so nice. it's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of, anyway, but he, he loved, he loves Scotland. But um, he moved to the UK, he moved to London, oh first when he was 26 and then my mum moved when she was 17 to London so what do they do young. your parents um, my mum is a computer geek actually she when I was growing up she was a programmer and now she's a database analyst and my dad was an academic and now he currently works in housing um, as a uh, homelessness officer. So. Are they still based in Peckham? My mum is based in Peckham. My parents are separated, so my mum is based in Peckham still, and my dad is based in Croydon. All still, you know, yeah. South London, but like different different sides of do South you have London. I do. I have one younger sister, yeah, who's two years younger than me. Yeah. So, you know, um, on this podcast, we have a format where mm-hmm. we are. So, we're in Five Carlos Place in Mayfair at the moment, mm-hmm. the Matches Fashion Townhouse, and we have a is it your first time that you've been here or have this you is, been here before? You know what, this is my second time. I came for the first time a couple of weeks ago because Nena was match, um, was launching her uh, capsule collection. Nena Cherry. Yeah, Nena Cherry. Yeah. Great. So How was the party? It was wonderful. I heard it was good. And Andy's food was in. Andy. Credible. Oliver. <laughs> yeah, Andy Oliver. Her friend yeah. who's the amazing chef. Yeah. yeah. We have a cabinet in the attic. You may or may have not have seen it. I don't know if you made it up here, up there, all the way to the fifth floor when you were here last time. Um, so each person who comes on the podcast talks about some of the things that have inspired them 
And I was wondering what was the first thing you wanted to talk about? I always get trumped on this question. I don't know why. Um, I would say my first inspiration, because I'm not really, I don't really idolize people. I do very much have a lot of people artistically that I respect, but I don't idolize anyone. But for me, my kind of, where I get my groundedness from is my spirituality, you know? And spirituality, not to mean religion, because I'm not particularly religious, but I would like to think I'm spiritual in the sense of wanted to be connected to people wanted to be connected to nature wanted be, wanted to be i'm constantly thinking about the universe i'm thinking about what is beyond um so these are things that as i continue to engage in them um, and as i continue to kind of grow within that um that's always been something that's grounded me but i, I always like to think it's a constant evolution on that level so that would be mm. one thing Mm. Um, yeah and is so do you practice a, f a form of I don't know meditation mm. or prayer for mm -hmm. want of a better word mm -hmm. um, how do you mm -hmm. connect with the spiritual mm -hmm. side I mean I'm very I do yoga quite often I need to do more I haven't done very much recently but do you I go to a class yeah I do Bikram yoga are you still in Peckham or are you I'm still in Peckham yeah. yeah so I do Bikram yoga but I do it um in London Bridge but in terms of my they always say prayer is talking and meditation is listening so I you know I like to meditate and I like to be I think stillness is something else that I'm practicing a lot more joy you know, and I know it sounds weird to think of joy as a practice, but how we give it, what it, how, what it, what is it to recognize it? Um, and so in terms of thinking, and I recently, I spent a month because I needed the break um, between Thailand and Cambodia. And um, I found myself going to a lot of Buddhist uh, temples as well. And just, again, just going into those spaces and just- So you went there for a holiday? For holiday, yeah. just for R&R. And I just found myself being very still in this in those places so even when I do think about religion I don't necessarily I mean I was I was brought up Roman Catholic but when I think about religion I'm I, I like to look into teachings from all places whether it be Islam whether it be Christianity whether it be Hinduism whether it be um, Buddhism um, my mom used to say something really funny when we were young which is like oh everyone's gonna go to heaven and realize they were worshiping the same God <laughs> <laughs> irrespective of religion so my big thing is you know for me it's just very much like how do i remain present um how do i give love how do i re receive love because you know receiving is can sometimes be the more difficult side of things you know we kind of really analyze it how am i respecting the environment you know um uh, uh how am i remaining grounded and thankful you know um these are all things that i see as more of a rather than taking myself to a specific space as a daily kind of understanding and respect for the environment as a form of my Is that a way of life that you've arrived at or has it just always been imbued in you from your upbringing? I think on some, I think it's a bit half and half. I think on some level, I mean, I, you know, I grew up Roman Catholic, so I very much learned those teachings. And But I think as I've grown into myself and as I've traveled and, you know, it's that whole thing about travel, you realize the more you travel, you realize how much we're so much more alike than we are different, you know, and how ridiculous some of the things that keep us apart from each other are ridiculous. <laughs> For 
want of a better word, you know? It's so funny. A good example was recently when um I was in Thailand and I sent my mom some videos. She was like, oh my goodness, it looks just like back home. I was like, yeah, you know, same vibration, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> we're very much, you know, we have our idiosyncrasies, yes, as, as a people, as a global people, but there's so much more um, that unites us than divides us. Yeah. And so when were you... When, when did you first become aware that being make a film creator or make, being involved in this medium was a, something that you could actually do? You mm. talked about Khalif and yeah. did you ever think that that could be a career for you or was it just always a hobby? It and, felt very much like a hobby yeah. at, the, at, the, at the time when I was making that music video. It felt like a, it felt like a hobby slash a dream. Have um, you met Khalif since? No, I haven't. I haven't What's she her. doing these days? Well, she is her. a chef. And she is, she just bought a farm. Um, and I think, I think she's living that dream that I one day want to live, which is to own a farm. And anytime I have a plate of food, 80% of my food come from my farm. But that's, that's the ultimate that's kind the dream. of the okay. dream for me. Um, but the real kind of like changing or turning point came for me was I did a summer scheme. I think I was about 16 and it was with the Tate Modern and in collaboration with the BBC, and it was for young people. And the idea was to write, conceive, write, produce, edit, direct um, a short film for the summer. It was like a summer summer uh, program. And I had done this film about an alien who had come down from out of space. And what was it like to, on an elemental level, to experience um, the world for the first time? And what was it like engaging with people who have these emotions that they've never kind of like experienced? And I did that and it ended up, they kind of contacted me after the program or towards the end of the program and they were like, you know, we're going to put this on BBC Two, um, like at 2 a.m. in the morning. So I was like, whoa, oh my gosh, this thing is going to get broadcast, you know, going from making, conceiving of the idea in your bedroom to making this, you know, making this idea for it coming together. And then for it to be put on TV felt like so like, it felt like, you know, worlds kind of colliding. So me and my dad stayed up really late um, and we watched this piece. And I was like, that was the first time for me. I was like, okay, this is a real thing because I'm going to go up to bed and I thought of this thing in, in my bedroom, you know, and I went to the Tate and we'd spent the summer making it. And now it's on BBC Two downstairs. And I was like, it just, it felt very much it didn't feel so distant anymore. Whereas before it felt so obscure and abstract as, as a idea or, or a career. Um, and then from there, I kind of continued making, I actually ended up going to law school. Um, that when you went to, <laughs> and then was I went it Howard University yeah. in Washington DC? Yeah, so I went to law school for my undergrad. And then I ended up going to film school for my master's. I did my master of fine arts at Howard University in Washington, DC. It's the classic thing of, I like to be proud and say, I got my two one of honors from my law degree. You know, I feel quite proud of that. I'm like, now I can read contracts when yeah. people yeah. send them my way. No, it's a very typical, the Nigerian thing of like, and only a Nigerian will say to you, make your backup plan to be a lawyer. You know, like my dad was very much like. Do you know what? Well, that's so weird because the only other Nigerian I've done this podcast with, Morin uh-huh. Oluwole on uh-huh. Facebook, uh-huh. she did the same thing. She's really, yeah. see? It's not just me. <laughs> so my dad was just like, look, you can do whatever you want, but you've got to have something. He was thinking very pragmatically and, and practical. So I did law, but then I ended up moving to. America and at Howard University, I studied um, film production. So 
the facilitators or the professors, I should say, very much come from independent filmmaking backgrounds. So they wanted us to be guerrilla style filmmaking. So they wanted us to be like, you know, have the verbiage to speak to anyone in any department. So, you know, we just, you know, we did was film productions. We did cinema sound. Uh, we did composing. We did editing. We did directing. We did producing. We took like five cinematography classes. So you get very like clear about how to use lenses and how the you know understanding light. Um, and you know Howard University has a very particular history, interesting history in America because it's what they term as a HBCU, so historically black college or university. So the, you know, it was, it was created in 1867, I believe Howard was at a time when obviously segregation still existed in America. And so that it's kind of like founding principles of creating a space where all people can come to study. So now you go on the campus and it's people from all around the world, you know, like in my class, I have people from South America, from China, from Italy and myself from London, um, really quite global facing. And what was really beautiful about that experience is we got to learn because the philosophies were imbibed in that kind of thinking of it being um, more open or more or more uh, global reaching and particularly about thinking about the black experience as well. You learn lighting in a way I would have never learned anywhere else, you know. So you learn how light can absorb certain uh, skin tones and also can reflect certain skin tones and how do you adjust for that. So like even just coming into that, particularly afterward, you almost sometimes when you're in something, you don't realize the kind of, you know, the, for one of a better term, the amazingness of the experience you're having, but it was, you know, incredible, you know, on that level. And what was really amazing too was um, we didn't just learn about the practicality of filmmaking. For everything I mentioned, we learned about the philosophy, you know, so it wasn't just how to, you know, physically edit an avid or final cut. It was about the philosophy of editing and why do you cut and, you know, you know, think really thinking about the decision-making process and not, you know, uh, beautiful images for beauty's sake. And so I think that's really fed into my filmmaking now and my practice because, you know, there's a level of interrogation I put within my work and there's a level of a forethought that I'm having as to why I'm deciding to make a decision, you know. There's a reason why, um, very much because of... Uh, my uh, learnings of like rushing editing, you know, why, you know, this image plus this image in conversation with each other produces a new feeling, like thinking about things on that level, um, but also being uh, aware of just instinct and, you know, moving from that place too. So there was always, um, what was really great, there was always a very kind of like an appreciation of, um, you know, learning how to do things, but also injecting your own voice into things too. So it was, it was a wonderful experience on that level, yeah, yeah. Um, what else would you put into the cabinet upstairs? Mm, it's such a strange thing to say, but water. I mean, we all need water, I know. <laughs> I'm also currently on a 30-day sugar-free, like, diet, or, like, I have, like, an, a ridiculous relationship with sugar that needed to be kind of, like, sorted out. Like, I love sugar too much, and I really did begin to realize sugar was a drug for me you know so I had to kind of pull back so I'm on like a 30-day fast at the moment from uh, sugar and so I drink a lot of water 
you know, usually I was recently in Poland with my assistant and I was like, every time I was like topping up her glass of water, she was like, what are you doing? Like, why do you keep feeding me all this water? I'm like, because we need to stay hydrated. So water, it's not like a strange thing, but water um, plays such a huge uh, role in my life, you know, like, you know, thinking about... And do, you, also, do you drink, um, is it like... I drink like five litres a day, Wow, which is a lot of water to drink but then also so you just need to go to the loo the whole time yeah yeah but i've like had to i've <laughs> like one just next to the <laughs> oh my god i have to pop out in yeah. a moment <laughs> but no because um i just it's i just taking it as something that you know it's just a part of like you know i i, I drink water like it's so important you know but also on a um more so on a historical level and on a philosophical level thinking about water you know thinking about the experience of black peoples in water thinking about how um even for example the piece that uh nena and i made together for her uh, music video last year called kong you know very much there was a emphasis on water and that like thinking about how people have to migrate or move from one place to another and how even nowadays just thinking about ideas of barriers and the influence that water has played on that you know um how water gives and how also water takes away you know water just if i you know really think about it it plays a big role in a lot of in my life both actually in the 3d side 5d side thinking about you know even when i go into astrology and i can start thinking about water and water signs and that what level. sign are you i'm a capricorn but i tend to very much um, and which is earth but earth needs to be watered and you know so i tend to my best relationships are typically with water signs it's just an interesting like i can go off and start talking about numerology and i won't do that <laughs> but like um, like you know constantly thinking about this interesting way that water plays these different roles um in my life that's something else i think i would put i'd put in the box how do we represent it do you think hmm how would we represent water? Pick a photo or a... I feel like a, a bottle of water won't really cut it. Yeah, do you, do you know? know what? The sound... I don't know if there was a... If there were, like, the sound of water. Also, I find the sound of water very calming. Like, if I hear waves lapping... And also, if I always say I need... If, if I need a sense of regrounding, I always go to water. And I love, in London, walking across bridges. It always gives me clarity you know then I start to think about okay I can go off on a tangent but then I start to think about um the tradition of Orisha cultures which is a Yoruba tradition which you find in South America now as well I think of um Mami Water is her name or Yemiaya for example she's sometimes known as well as like the goddess of water or the, or the mermaid maybe you know and thinking about her representation so maybe we should have a picture of her yeah I that like that. I fab. like that. Would be yeah, cool. that would be perfect. So, what was your experience like? Of so, obviously, you learned so much when you were on this course in 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 the US, and um, you talked a bit about. You've already brought in a lot of this. Your references to black experience and a lot of your work. I would say the majority of your work mm -hmm. deals looks at things through that prism. Yeah. What's the difference? Do you think between how it's treated in the UK to the US, mm. having experienced both? It's interesting. It's funny. Like when people think about ideas of blackness, there tends to be, and this is something I'm actually start, you know, going to, I'm in the process of beginning to explore in my work as well. There's a very, um, uh, I think there's a very uh, US focused um, 
idea of blackness for example so when we think about ideas of on a you know on a mainstream level for example of what blackness could be it tends to be immediately our minds go you know to america and again it's just via the experience of traveling and even going to brazil recently i had a a, um, a show of my work um in a museum of art in sao paulo in brazil and i spent about seven eight days there and you know, it's just a different experience of, you know, of what blackness is. In the UK, it's a different, really rich experience we have here, but it's not often, um, it's not something that's often uh, looked at, you know, in the, with the level of attention I believe it deserves because it's, it's, it's just something that has it. There's a level of uncovering. I would like to say that you know needs needs to ha- needs to happen, um, and which I wanna you know kind of start leaning into as well. So really thinking a lot more for me diasporically, you know, with my work. So thinking about you know from Africa to the Americas to Europe to Australia. Like I really want to have more of a global view of what blackness is. is it about re is it about pulling those di- diaspora back yeah together or yeah. is it about going to where they all are and kind of creating links i think you? i think it's both i think for me in my exploration is about going to all these different places and then in the kind of um in the feeding out to the world is very much like trying to look at Again, it goes back to this bigger philosophy of like what unites us is so much more greater than what separates us. So like thinking about where the similarities are, but also where the differences are too, you know? Because I always like to say to people like, differences are a beautiful thing, (laughs) you know? It's, you know, it's, um, Android did this really great ad a few years back. It was something called like, uh, I can't remember exactly the words I'm paraphrasing, but something like, different but together so it was something it was something very simple like that i can't remember the exact language but it's that very kind of like idea you know how do we and i i look at this even when i'm building teams you know how do i bring together a set of people who complement each mm. other as opposed to bringing together a homogenized group of people because i'm not going to learn mm. and for you know on a very kind of like selfish and individual level i'm very much concerned yes with making but my biggest concern is learning you know so i'm very much interested in bringing together people from different ages different backgrounds you know just diff just difference like it just makes everything just so much more richer fun and interesting you know um and um, so that's kind of really what I'm interested in, like work-wise now at this point, like really thinking a lot more broadly, you know. So what's an example of that in some of the work you've done recently? Mm. I mean, I can pick out a few mm-hmm, mm-hmm. videos, but for you, is there something that you mm-hmm. feel like represents that? Or maybe it's the, I don't know, maybe the first mm-hmm. time you felt like you really started representing yeah. that in your work. I would say my 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 the fav, my most favorite piece of work of my own is Rebirth is Necessary, which was a short film I made that came out in 2017 and that very much goes some way towards the beginnings of excuse me this exploration that I'm speaking of because it was shot entire it's funny it was shot entirely in the UK but pairs archival footage with shot footage. Now everyone assumes it's an American piece 
because they just assume when they see these images that it must be America, most likely because of the archive. But the archive I have in the piece comes from America, comes from Suriname, comes from Ethiopia, comes from Nigeria, comes, comes from Australia, comes from South America. It comes from all these different places, you know? Um, and I, you know, even when I think about the reception that it's had since it came out, it, it's been so incredible because People talk about, whoa, this was the first time. I didn't even, even as a person of colour or even as a black person myself, a lot of people will say, whoa, I didn't even know that existed. And I already feel like ignorant as a person. I didn't know this existed. So what more don't I know, you know? I think very much what I'm getting at on some level is really thinking about and taking more of an expansive view to identity, you know? And thinking about, like, you know, if we kind of step back for a moment, like what does this mean to shapeshift through this world as an individual who's as a, as a black individual as a person of the diaspora you know it was for example there's a photographer the name of uh, Marilyn Nance who went to a festival in Africa in the 70s she's African-American and she said you know when I left it was the first time I left America the first time I went to anywhere on the continent in Africa and I was like you know like I'm an African and then she said she went to Africa. She was like, whoa, I'm an American, <laughs> you know? And it's that kind of like, because it's that kind of like opening up and having that experience of identity and understanding that, you know, things are a lot more, um, things are a lot more, uh, things are a lot more different than we, than we think or we can anticipate, you know? Um, so I'm really thinking about what are, what are future imaginings, what are current, what are past, but also what are, speculating what are future imaginings of what blackness is and really thinking about um, so that was that the history. rebirth is necessary was part of a series commissioned specifically to look at that wasn't it the future of yes, black identity exactly and mm. that's why i was almost like able to kind of lean into it quite heavily so it was a series based off of a season that the british film institute had done called black star where they were celebrating black on screen talent so they asked three emerging um british filmmakers uh to create pieces on what they believe uh the, the future of blackness could be and so i was like okay this was the first time i had you know, the opportunity to kind of have complete artistic control and kind of shape something very much in my mind's eye, you know, um, how I'm seeing these visuals or how I'm experiencing or how I'm working things out. I very much, I, I like to call it my clearest translation from mind to material, you know, because it is, they are my thoughts. I'm like, if you could enter my mind, particularly at that point in time, that is very much um, clearly translate where I was, um, and so, you know, I had to like to think of it as my most uh, clearest work today. Let's go back to the cabinet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what else we should we put in there? Um, I love frankincense, um, which again might be another random one, but I think it comes from my Roman Catholic upbringing, um, which is interesting, but I love the scent of frankincense it brings me calm um and it also kind of transports me um when i'm left um to be in my own space and to be in stillness i really enjoy frankincense do you burn it around the house i do sometimes. so you burn it in incense rather than wearing it as a yeah oil or... yeah i do have it i did recently 
order off Amazon some frankincense oil. <laughs> um, so I'll likely get into that soon, but I do like to I do like to burn it. Like I know people tend to like to burn sage. I love the idea of sage. I don't particularly like the smell of sage. Yeah. Um, but I do love this the scent of frankincense. Do you live alone or? I live with my sister. Yeah. So she doesn't mind the smell. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's just such a it's, it's such an evoc- it's such it a is. strong it thing. Is. A it scent, is. isn't it? It is. Um, so just, I was interested, you mentioned building a team mm-hmm. and I thought that was quite, that could be quite an interesting thing to talk about with regard to some of your work. And mm-hmm. I especially know people want to know about um, Ape Shit, which mm-hmm. um, I know you were involved with, mm-hmm. the video f- um, featuring Beyonce and Jay-Z, yeah. um, directed by Ricky Saiz. Yeah. Um, and you were second unit director. Yeah. So first of all, I wanted to know, what does that mean? <laughs> It's such a tough one because since we made the video last year, goodness, time goes so fast. Um, it's been a question that's always come up, and I'm so NDA'd underneath it. But I am. It was. Um, it was an incredible experience, and it was interestingly, magically for me, the my first time in the Louvre. So for it to be my first time in there, um, and to get to, you know we had the whole space to kind of see the museum that way was really incredible and to also like um shapeshift through it and look at the black art in there or maybe rather the absence of black art there was an interesting uh process and, and practice um it kind of brought up a lot of uh, a lot of uh, thoughts and feelings and how does it feel as a black woman walking through the Louvre and seeing that absence I mean first of all I love architecture so first of all the scale whoa you know it's a beautiful beautiful building um, but also it, it very much highlights um, the erasure from history of, of certain voices or certain or certain uh, you know or certain certain experiences history is an interesting thing some it'll kind of be an interesting thing because oftentimes i think now we're getting more towards a a place where we're looking more so at trying to create inclusive ideas of history but um on some level particularly in western history it's a very skewed male you know white male rich (laughs) Um, you know, reading of what, of 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 what experiences. Um, so yeah. What did you think of Beyonce's documentary about her Coachella? Oh yeah, I did watch that. I loved it. Also because I loved that because I also for me it was okay. I'll talk about it from my perspective because I went to HBCU historically black college and university at Howard. It was so incredible to see on like a world stage like Coachella like a lot of these um uh, a lot of these traditions or a lot of these histories or a lot of these experiences that felt very niche to a lot of people for a very long time and it felt extra niche for me because oftentimes people forget you know I'm from London I'm from the UK and I went to America so that's already its own form of a learning you know and had these experiences that's so different to my understanding of what um, university can be or what a university experience, I should say, could be. So to see her kind of, you know, you know, kind of on a world stage, really on a a very brilliant level, you know, go into depth, you know, not just about 
um, the different activities or the different cultures, but the philosophies behind them and her philosophies. It was it was beautiful to see. Mm. Yeah, beautiful to see. What about influences on your work? Um, I read that you, when you were, I don't know how old you were, but you mm. were taken by the work of Hype Williams yeah. and the videos that he made. Yeah. Um, I've also seen you mention um, Donald Glover yes. as someone whose work yes. you admire, but as in the context of perhaps doing something around TV. Yes. Entertainment in future. Mm-hmm. Um, and your, but your own personal style is quite idiosyncratic, mm. um, which is obviously why you get hired on these amazing <laughs> big projects. Mm. Um, what, what do you say, what for you have been the main influences that you've pulled into your work? Mm. I very much, you know, I, I'm kind of, it's this interesting thing as well, because when I started, everyone was very like, oh, so what do you want to be? A drama director, a horror director, a music video director. And I was like, whoa, first of all, <laughs> I'm an artist and I'm a creative person. So I'm never going to like pigeonhole myself on that level. What I like to say is that I respond to the medium that I'm in. So if it happens to be music video, then I will tailor um on some level i'll respond to it on that level if it's a you know if it's a narrative i'll respond to it on that level so uh, my um my influences are not just you know uh film but if i'm thinking about film i think about like agnes Varda. um i'd be thinking about spike lee after spike i would uh, mention ron fricky um particularly his two pieces samsara and baraka which are beautiful i just call them cinematic meditations you know um because you know this guy is traveling the world they're shooting on 70 millimeter film you know and they it's so observational but it's so respectful it's just beautiful it's really if anything it's humbling you know to 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 watch to watch those films um so that very much taps into a frequency that i'm very interested in terms of filmmaking um and then um, I'm very much looking or leaning into music. You know, music was very much my first, my first love. You know, very much I, I look at uh, musicians and I think about like, how do I reach where they are, you know? So if I look, if I'm listening to Coltrane, you know, I'm constantly thinking about, particularly I was listening to it a lot yesterday, and anytime I really wanted to delve into deeper um, creative thinking, I was listening to Giant Steps, and I was like, man, how do I even get close to Giant Steps as a filmmaker? Like, those are the type of things I'm, I'm, you know, it's very abstract, but I'm thinking about, like, again, I was also listening to, and I've collaborated with him before, Kamasi Washington, and I was like, man, the way he blows that horn, I am trying to get there. I'm trying to emote, you know, that, that's where I'm trying to be. And, um, you know, growing up, I very much was obsessed with, um, I was obsessed with bridges, not just as, you know, in the water or walking across bridges, but bridges in music. So thinking about um, Earth, Wind and Fire. I loved the Neptunes growing up. I thought they had brilliant bridges. I love Stevie Wonder's, Stevie Wonder's bridges. They're brilliant because they take you on this journey you know and you're not you almost feel like well i felt like you know you almost feel like you're levitating and you're not sure if you're going to come back to earth once you kind of pass that bridge so i'm always thinking about even when i'm creating um films i tend to um when i'm thinking about ideas i also create create playlists so for every film i have i actually have a playlist because i'm putting together playlists and it's just kind of like 
the music that's around me as I'm um, uh, creating. And I think about, what I tend to do is like, bring in music that get to the frequency of how I want people to feel. And then I use that as a way of accessing the visual side of things. And, you know, even there's a brilliant saying by Maya Angelou, she says, you know, people forget what you said, people forget what you did, but people never forget how you made them feel. And so oftentimes when I'm creating, I'm constantly thinking less about technicality and I'm also thinking about feeling. So I'm thinking about how, do, you know, how is this going to make people feel? Because I always say like, there's so many times where we're like, man, man, I have to send you this song. I really love it. And people are like, okay, cool. Have it to me. Or what's it called? I can't remember what it's called, but it's so, so good. Mm. <laughs> you know? And that's all based on the feeling you had when you heard that track, you know? So this is something that I'm constantly thinking about because that's where the memory lies. The memory is in the feeling above and beyond anything else. Um, so trying to really create um, films from a position that is um, speaking more so to feeling before anything else. What else is in the cabinet? What else is in the cabinet? South London. We're gonna have to think about how we're gonna represent South yeah. London in, in an object. <laughs> uh, um, but you know, roadworks, roadworks, <laughs> drill, drill noises. Yeah. Um, so South London, you know, for me is a constant. I grew up in South London, went to school in South London. I still live in South London, no matter where Which I- Which school did you go to? I went to primary school. I went to um, uh, St. Francis, Roman Catholic primary school, just just off of, off of the old Kent Road. And um, secondary school, I went to Notre Dame, which was in the Elephant and Castle. Um, so those are like my two, the two schools I went to. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's, I love it so much, you know, I always say for as long as I live in London, I will live in South London, you know, because, you know, it's really random too. I always say to people like, uh, when, we, when we were kids, we'll be like, yeah, you do know the Queen lives in South London too, technically. You do know government is in South London too, because everything is in, in South West. But um, I'm from South East and, um, you know, I just grew up in around so many beautiful cultures, you know. I grew up with uh, Nigeria, specifically Nigerian, Jamaican, Pakistani, Indian, Irish, um, Chinese, Vietnamese, and Colombian. I mean, as a kid, and my mom's best friend growing up was also Sri Lankan. So like, and then my dad's friends were Scottish, Irish, Nigerian, Jamaican. So, you know, you just grow up in this, you know, your worldview. It's like before I was even able to ever leave the city and leave the country i had this really incredible world view in like my backyard because um i had all these i was you know had all these incredible cultures around me that you know and you know it's whether and it's cult when i say culture it's like food you know language um and um, maybe we can, can we represent it with some food food what could do you know what i'm gonna be really forward and just be like plantain I'm gonna put plantain as the South London staple because there's so many of us, irrespective of all the places that I mentioned. Everybody loves plantain. Done. <laughs> you never been tempted to move to America or do you think you might move there in future? I mean, it could happen, you know. Um, I lived there for three years when I was in film school there. Um, 
at the moment I'm very much I call myself a nomad because up until or in yeah up until maybe last month between last month and February 2019 I'd slept 11 for 11 nights in my own bed and that's because I I've, I've just been everywhere you know from Asia America Africa uh, Europe like just everywhere so I'm very much like I really love the idea of and I, I guess it's because I have spent like this prolonged period of time away I love the idea of like stationing somewhere again like a typical nomad stationing somewhere for a, for a month or two and working from that place I'm you know I'm blessed in the sense of because of the nature of my work I don't have to be in a particular place unless obviously we're shooting something in a particular place but I could decide to go to Cuba for a month you know and I could as long as I have like you know my laptop on my phone and you know have access to stuff I can work out you know work out of there so that's the way that I'm trying to marry the ability to travel because I always wished it's not necessarily a regret but I always wish I took like two years to travel the world like before I went to like school you know before I went to like university or did even my um did even my master's degree I wish I did that and so I'm kind of trying to get get it where I can fit it in you know so kind of like you know okay today I'll be in you know, this month I'll be in Thailand, and this month I'll be in Cambodia, and this month I'm in Jakarta, and this month I'm in Cuba, you know, in Havana. So that's something that I'm likely going to continue doing until I have to be in a particular place. And you'll, you get commissioned to do, um, I mean, you're having, you're definitely riding a creative wave, and you're getting these amazing commissions at the moment. For example, I was at I was at, we were in uh, Freeze Art Fair in Los Angeles in oh, yeah. February. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Matches Fashion had a residency yeah. there. Yeah, because I did a talk with you guys there. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they screened a film of yours, mm-hmm. um, which was sponsored by Gucci. Yes. Uh, Black to Techno. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk a bit about that and yeah. what it what the film is a short? Yes, it's a short. So, Black to Techno is a is a twenty minute piece that looks at the black origins of techno music from Detroit and then contextualizes it um, with um, its fandom in Berlin and how at the uh, during the fall of the Berlin Wall, a lot of these kids were looking for ideas of freedom and ideas of uh, trying to find themselves. And here comes this really obscure sound from you know, the Fordist heartland of America, Detroit. And, you know, they find themselves in it. And so the film very much, again, I kind of look at it as a somewhat of a companion piece to Rebirth is Necessary in terms of how I'm working through my ideas because it's very much thinking about techno, not just as a music, but thinking about techno philosophically and allowing the film to unfold from that perspective. And looking at techno as what I've, termed a resulting sound so it's a sound that's a result of um, the geopolitical climate at the time this is you know Reagan America um, <laughs> filled with Reaganomics it's looking at uh, where it physically the geography of it this is you know uh, it was created in Detroit uh, in uh, Michigan in uh, the Midwest um, and by virtue of this being the Fordist heartland of America, you have uh, a lot of factories, car plants. Um, so a lot of those sounds by either consciously or subconsciously will infiltrate um, 
uh, how people are hearing, you know? If you're, if you're with a certain sounds for a, a certain amount of times per, a certain amount of time per day, by virtue of that, there's certain, you know, things that um, begin to become a part of you whether you realize it or not. Even if you're not directly that person or if you're with someone, you know, you're in close proximity to someone like that. So thinking about the, thinking about the, um, how would I say, really thinking about it on that level, you know. Um, so really delving into very interesting ideas around like mimesis, you know, um, in terms of the mirroring of sound between work and that. Thinking about the legacy of music in Detroit. So thinking about even Motown, you know, thinking about hip hop. So artists like Jay Dilla who came from Motown, I mean, came from, yeah, technically the Motor City, Motown. <laughs> uh, so really thinking about all these things and, um, even like I, you know, thinking about someone like Barry Gordy, who very much took the ideas that Henry Ford, you know, uh, was approaching to, and how he was, you know, created his businesses and took that and literally made a hit making factory with Motown, you know, like so really thinking about things on 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 that level. Um, so it's it's very much that, and so what we have are a series of vignettes that are inter, you know, interrelated vignettes. And you have a series of voiceovers and I very much wanted the work to be focused. I very much wanted the audience to be focused on the ideas and to be focused on the feeling and, 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 and you know, what it was I was trying to mention. So I ended up, not ended up by design, I um, only had people feature as voiceovers. So whether, and really thinking about how do we make this. Uh, got, trying to step away from hierarchy so really putting some very much more well-known voices alongside maybe some more so unknown voices you know and so looking at it musically looking at techno musically yes looking at techno philosophically but also like anecdotes from people who are from um who are from digital from Detroit, so I very much wanted everyone to, particularly for Detroit, I kind of described it as my love letter to Detroit. I very much wanted it to feel grounded, but also to feel very, you know, to kind of do its thing on a um, more so philosophical level. So you have, for example, someone who talks about a story their mom mentioned to them about how you could go to a techno party at like the Music Institute. And, you know, Detroit was very much a place that is big on hair culture. So because it's big on hair culture, they have 24 hour salons. And so you could go from a, you could go from the music institute, which was like basically a club in Detroit to a 24 hour salon. So you just sweat out your hair, you do your thing. And then you end up <laughs> at the end going to the salon to get your hair done. So really like things like that, like trying to pull out those interesting links that otherwise wouldn't necessarily be connected, you know? Um, so it was it was a it was a fun experience on that level. We premiered Black to Techno um, at the first ever Freeze LA Art Fair in February, and then I went on tour with the film with Gucci. We went to Asia and I went to America, and so we've been showing it. We've been showing it institutionally, and I also as an artist um, was invited to, to be a part of the Whitney Biennial. Um, this year so it was the work I presented as a part of the biennial but the film hasn't had its online premiere yet so in August we're going to be premiering Black Techno online so in August it will be the the first time everyone gets to see it which is very different for me because it'll be online where will it be on which uh, on Gucci's website, on Gucci's website and okay. likely on their uh, YouTube page so from August 8th it should be available oh, yeah look out for it yes
Okay, well, thanks so much, Jen. Thank this you. has been great. Thank this you. Was fun. Thank you, Danielle. <laughs> That was an episode of The Collector's House, a Matches Fashion podcast. You can find more episodes and more about Five Carlos Place on the Matches Fashion website, and you can join the conversation on social media by searching for at Matches Fashion, at Matches Fashion Man, and the hashtag Five Carlos Place. Thanks for listening.